0: Good evening and welcome to an NFC Championship Game edition of Rams All Access with our Super Bowl champion DeMarco Farr. I am J.B. Long. Uh, D. farr, we knew when we went there in Week 9 it was a battle for NFC supremacy. Could be a championship game preview. Turns out it was. Matching 13-3 and three records for the Saints and the Rams by virtue of that win over Los Angeles. New Orleans gets home field advantage. So here we go to the Big Easy for the third time this year, preseason four, Week 9 regular season, now the NFC Championship game.
1: Round 2, Round 3, same thing. It was one of those funny things when you left the field in New Orleans. You kind of looked back over your shoulder and said, you know what, I have a feeling we'll see you again down the road, and it'll probably matter more than this game. But it's huge. Uh, New Orleans is good, very, very good. Good quarterback, good head coach, good everything, just like the Rams. So... You know, If you want to win a championship, it, it should have to come with games like this. You should have to go back to the scene of the crime and see if hmm. you can right those wrongs in New Orleans to get to where
0: you want to go. Someone pointed this out to me this week I did not realize. The Rams are underdogs for the first time this season.
1: Makes sense. And they should be, right? Oh, yeah. I yeah. Just, I, they beat back, you. They've beaten you, right? I didn't realize they were
0: not underdogs in Week 9. Wow. But, Makes sense, But they right? were undefeated at that yeah. point. The Saints handed the Rams their first loss. Now the Rams hope to hand the Saints their last.
1: Wow. I never even thought of that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I hope that plays a part. I hope that plays a part into their psyche. Definitely, whatever Philadelphia said got into their heads. I mean, look at Talib. Look how Jared Goff responded. You know, I mean, I, I hope that being an underdog works to your advantage.
0: A ton to do on this edition of Rams All Access, including four down territory with an individual who covers the New Orleans Saints giving us the latest, including the comments between Marcus Peters and Sean Payton. But I wanted to start, Marco, just by reviewing Week 9 a little bit, get your recollections, touch on some of the key statistics, and then we can dig into what's different. Okay. You might remember 14-all. They recover an Ingram fumble. They're set up at the plus 25. Gurley's not on the field. They pass it three times. They fake a field goal, they get a bad spot. Right. And from that point forward, the Saints rip off 21 unanswered, built a 35 to 14 second quarter lead. Of course, the furious rally to tie at 35. Uh in that game, though, the Rams just ninety-two rushing yards. Uh Donald was hit, uh did hit Breeze four times, but no sacks on the opposing quarterback. So it feels like a much different construct this time around, especially given where the Rams are at in terms of their offensive schematic. I hope so. I mean, the
1: Rams are, I guess, uh, a renewed effort running the football. They're a different-looking football team offensively, which helps you defensively. Uh, from the last three weeks, you're playing fewer snaps on defense and you're winning time of possession. So if you can keep that same scenario going into New Orleans, we'll see how they respond to that. But. You're going to have to raise your game. I'm sure New Orleans is going to raise their game. Philadelphia had certain advantages that they used against New Orleans to make them look a certain way or to make the game close. Well, it's going to change with the Rams. It's going to change with each opponent. So we'll see what happens. But the guys you just mentioned, especially Aaron Donald, is going to have to be Aaron Donald a lot on game day to win this thing.
0: What's different this time around? Well, Aqib Tlaib, C.J. Anderson... They had Fowler back then, but it was his first game. And even though he played maybe more than we thought in terms of a pitch count, I don't think he was anywhere near the factor that he is currently in this Rams defense. Unfortunately, the Rams, without Cooper Cup this time around, he scored in that game. The Saints have Ted Ginn, uh, but they did oh just lose defensive tackle Sheldon Rankins. That's something that we're going to talk about, his Achilles injury and what it means to that Saints run defense. But bigger picture, to Marco. Uh, This is a nerve for you, and I understand rightly so, but the Superdome is a house of horrors, and the Rams have had some very bad franchise memories in that building.
1: Yeah, a lot of seasons have gone to die, or ended there, and just ended badly. It's just, it's been tough to beat them there, for whatever reason. I don't know if it goes back to whatever Greg Williams had going on with Sean Payton, but it seems like... They just have the Rams' number, and it's more than just winning. They want to bury you. They want to embarrass you. So we've said this, uh, you and I, I think we commented a, a few times after a couple of coaches' shows. I have a feeling McVeigh wants to go back there anyway. He wants to write that wrong. He doesn't like to lose. He doesn't like to lose like that. So... Look, uh, I think the Rams are carrying all the confidence in the world going back to New Orleans. The problem
0: is New Orleans is just as confident in their home field. And unbeaten in the playoffs in the Peyton Breeze era in the Dome. Their last home playoff loss, 1992. And the noise, the largest factor. I thought this was interesting from the Times-Picayune editorial board. Quote, Jared Goff played here in November, so he thinks he knows what to expect. He has no freaking idea. He won't know what hit him. That was in an article wishing Drew Brees a happy 40th birthday and saying, hey, you got us to the Super Bowl last time when our city needed it most. This time we're going to get you there at the tail end of your illustrious career.
1: We'll see what happens. I mean, look, it's going to be loud if you watch what happened to Philadelphia. It's loud. A couple of false starts. Should have been at least three more false starts. But they used the crowd noise to their advantage to bring pressure. Now, the only thing that can stop, that could quiet a crowd and to make you pay for pressure is running the daylights out of the football. We'll see what happens if you're standing on your feet, screaming your head off, and then the Rams rip off an eight-yard run for another first down, and then another first down. Let's see if you can hold that same intensity all the way through a drive. We'll see what happens, but if you get caught playing that game in New Orleans, you've got no shot. It'll be too loud,
0: and the wave of momentum will just crash over you. You saying daylight there just sparked something in my mind. Early start early, early start for this NFC Championship game. Noon local time. Do you think that matters at all, or are the stakes so high for this moment? This is different than playing, say, in Detroit in the middle of the regular season in the early window.
1: I think they're ready. I think they understand. Um, you played on Saturday, so you got the day of rest anyway, mm-hmm. so it's a normal week of practice, so get there, travel, eat your eggs, roll out of bed, and let's beat the Saints.
0: I've got a laundry list of players and matchups that I want to run through in this edition of Rams All Access. We will pick up the conversation in our next segment with Drew Brees and Jared Goff, a discussion of the quarterbacks in this matchup, the NFC Championship game with Demarco far on JB Long, and this is ESPN LA 710.
1: The last time we played them, it, you know, it came down to a game of just running out of time. Um, uh, at the end of the day, I think that we'll have a better plan against them the second the second go round, and we got to be excited to be able to go back there and. Uh, Give, get another chance at those guys again. It's always a reason uh, why things happen. Um, as you as you can tell, um, I think that being able to go against some of these teams that we had tough tough times with uh, during the season and being able to get a chance to play them again is going to give us a little bit more confidence, especially the way we played last
0: night. Well, that was Roger Saffold, the Rams' left guard, talking about the rematch in New Orleans with the Saints. DeMarco Farr, JB, along with you on Rams All-Access. You know, it feels a little bit like... Minnesota last year in a different way. Remember, the Rams kind of got lost in the noise in Minneapolis. Uh, they wanted the chance to go back there, a oh, second yeah. shot at the Vikings. They didn't get it. You know, it's different because Minnesota was going to host the Super Bowl that year and all those types of things. But in terms of what you said in our first segment, that somewhere in that facility, there's probably a sense that they wanted to go back to the Big Easy.
1: Absolutely, because you had a chance to beat them there. Uh, you really did. I mean. Uh, we talked about Drew Brees and the Saints and Drew Brees being MVP and all this sort of stuff and and how they got off to a good start against you and how you came roaring back and came up short. You still had a chance to win that game. A few calls that go your way. You win that football game, and it's a little bit different. So it's a bad taste in your mouth. So sometimes you can move past it, get to the postseason and beyond, and never have to write that wrong. This is a great opportunity to go back and correct some stuff. Let's fix this on the ledger and then move on.
0: As much as the running game and the running backs are going to feature heavily in this matchup, we'll save that for a later segment. I think we need to talk quarterbacks here because Drew Brees turned 40 years old this week. Uh, this team structured in many ways for the Saints to get him back to the Super Bowl, to give him another chance to win a ring. And Jared Goff, cast in the game manager role, did enough, including the game-clinching bootleg run to get the Rams to this point as well with their divisional win. But nothing against Dak Prescott. However, he is not a first ballot Hall of Famer. And you will not be able to load up on the Saints run and dare Breeze to beat you the way that you did against the Cowboys last week.
1: No, because he will, and he can, and he's done it a lot with his arms. So, uh, he's, he's dynamic. So whatever you think you got away with last week, whatever good plays, or whatever plays you, bad plays you forced Prescott into, It's going to be a different level with Drew Brees. I mean, his first look was to Ted Ginn. Did you see that? And he looked off the safety.
0: I think it it was the best interception that has ever been thrown in postseason history, probably, because it showed that Ginn was capable of getting behind the Eagles. And even though they turned it over, for the rest of the game, the secondary of Philadelphia had to respect that. Back up. Absolutely.
1: Back up. And that safety towards the middle of the field got manipulated and moved. Just by watching Drew Brees's head. He is that good. So you're going to have to be letter perfect. And something else we didn't talk about because we were talking about how well the Rams did stopping the run and running the football against Dallas. You need more pressure. You have to have guys step up, break free, 99 included, to get to Drew Brees. If not, if he has a chance to survey the field,
0: he's going to find the dead spot or the open man. It's almost a guarantee. Uh, Aaron Donald was the only ram to hit him in the Week 9 matchup. He did so four times, but they did not record any sacks against Breeze, who this season set uh the highest mark ever recorded for adjusting, adjusted completion percentage. It, were it not for Patrick Mahomes, might be the league's MVP. Only Big Ben had a cleaner pocket to throw from this season than Drew Breeze. That cannot be the case, because even though there were deficiencies in pass coverage, and we're going to get into Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib and Michael Thomas and all that, the bottom line is whether or not Tlaib was there, there was not enough heat on Breeze to win that week nine matchup.
1: No, and you, you have to dictate to them. I mean, it's hard to do there with crowd noise, but we'll see what happens when you actually have a run game to support you on the offensive side. That's going to be bleeding clock. Let's see what that does to Sean Payton. But if you get caught in that washing machine, like I like to say, Sean Payton's offense, you won't have a chance to even to draw a beat on Breeze because the ball is snapped, it's out, and you're in pursuit before you know it. Mm -hmm. So if you can get them to hold it or get them in a situation where it's an obvious passing down and turn them more into an 80s-type offensive attack, then you can get after them. If not, if they're winning on first and second down, forget about third down. They're going to pick it up every single time.
0: Let's transition to Goff, and I actually put him in the larger context of championship weekend because you have Brady, maybe the greatest of all time, Brees, who can make that case as well and is going to go right into the Hall of Fame with him, and Mahomes, who is this year's MVP and looks like the next coming of both of those quarterbacks. That makes Goff the fourth quarterback of championship weekend, and I wouldn't be surprised (laughs) if he has moments where he has to make plays on par with or exceeding brady Breeze, mahomes to get the Rams to where they want to go.
1: Oh, absolutely. There's going to be situations to where they stop the run because that's what they do. And then they force it all onto Jared Goff. And it's not just him. It's the guys running routes, too. Uh, I, I thought Lattimore played a hell of a game. I thought he made some plays. And the plays he didn't, I think he was just man, because the guy was just bigger than he was. But Robert Woods is going to have to get free. Brandon Cooks is going to have to get free. You can't expect Jared Goff to throw you open. You're going to have to find separation on your own. But when that doesn't happen... You're going to need some magic out of your quarterback. You're going to need that first pick in the draft type stuff. You're the franchise, face of the franchise type dude. You're going to have to take it up a notch in the postseason in New
0: Orleans to win if you're Jared Goff. Uh, the site of his first NFL touchdown pass back in 2016. Going to be hard not to miss Cooper Cup this week. You talk about those pass catchers. Goff's rating when targeting Cooper Cup was nearly perfect. Reynolds and Everett have done well to help replace him. But it's not the same. And in these conditions in this moment... I think you would love to have that security blanket of Cooper Cup.
1: Yeah, it's because, I mean, you got Robert Woods to do that for you now, but what bothers me most is to run, to fill that role, that Cooper Cup role, you're taking Woods away from what he does best, which is outside the numbers, make you pay for almost everything. Uh, so there's, there is a deficiency there. Now you're hoping that Josh Reynolds, and he's never going to be a Cooper Cup type, but you hope that what he brings to the field, can actually stretch the defense a little bit more and add a different dimension to it but somebody's going to have to step up and maybe it's not throwing the football maybe it's a CJ Anderson running the football behind Todd Gurley right instead of that pass
0: run it since you were at field level for that game against Dallas how much credit does Jared deserve for getting into the proper play and in oh. many cases the proper running play being willing to turn around and hand it off to CJ and Todd over and over and over again.
1: Most, most of it. Most of the credit. Um, it's not just raw passing numbers is how the offense functions. And the quarterback is the number one position on the football team. But, you know, I, I think it was Miles that was saying, like, he was saying the, the, the communication is exemplary. I said, wait, your, your center's from Notre Dame and your quarterback's from Cal. <laughs> they better be able to communicate. So, but Jared Goff getting to the line of scrimmage, going on quick counts or hard counts and not having a pre-snap penalty. I mean, that's that's all because of him, and it goes through him. Now, at some point when you're throwing the football and you need that arm talent, that's the stuff that needs to improve.
0: But everything else, he can run the hell out of this offense, no doubt. Does it translate to the Superdome and the noise? And and like in terms of snap count, how do they bring it on the road? Because it won't be like the environment at the Coliseum that they took advantage
1: of. Well, I'm just going to guess here, uh, just kind of guessing about Sean McVay's attitude and how they're running the football. He's not going to try to trick you. He's going to line up and run the ball right at you and see if you can stop
0: it. Just get to the line, first, first sound we go. First
1: sound, tap the butt, snap the football, give it to Todd or CJ, and let's see if these linebackers and safeties want to play today
0: and just challenge them that way. Interesting. All right, let's transition to the backfield next. I know you got a lot of thoughts on Alvin Kamara, what he's done to the Rams in recent years, and then more on CJ and Todd, how they were utilized to beat the Dallas Cowboys, how they might impact the game as they go to New Orleans again for the NFC Championship game. With DeMarco Farr, I'm JB Long. This is Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710.
1: Feels good. Really good? Real, real, real good. <laughs> Great, actually. Okay. But this ain't shit. We still got one more. Keep winning. We got to keep winning.
0: That was Todd Gurley following the win over the Dallas Cowboys to advance to the NFC Championship game. So he's feeling good physically and emotionally as he and C.J. Anderson each eclipse the century mark in a dominant performance following their offensive line over the Cowboys.
1: God, Guys like him uh, make coaches smarter. Uh, A coach can go from a genius to a guru because of how healthy he feels. If Todd just decides to take on the whole team and win that day, McVeigh gets all the credit. Mm. That's great. Uh, but having two healthy running backs, a healthy running game in the postseason, I'm telling you, it's invaluable.
0: You know, it's shifted the disposition. Like, yes, Todd and CJ are nice compliments. They have fantastic running styles, the vision, the power, the speed, the perimeter. But I just think it's a disposition thing with the offensive line. When they saw CJ get signed and got to run downhill in Arizona and against the San Francisco 49ers, it's like this – this group that had been getting a little leaky since the bye got to sink their teeth into the game plan and got to establish a new identity, which has served them well in week 16, 17, and certainly in that divisional round.
1: I agree, man. I mean, it's look, it's, I don't want to call it finesse, but there's a lot to this offense and it seems like they got away from the smash mouth part of the offensive line, and then all of a sudden in Arizona versus San Francisco and definitely versus Dallas, they grew their fangs. I mean, they absolutely became those mean, nasty bigs up front. Seeing Whitworth throw guys around, uh double-blocking guys, I mean, just, I can't even tell you what it looked like on the field, but right. you you have the same visual. Roger Saffold the same way. He's 15 yards away uh, chasing down a safety on a run play and is celebrating a, a first down run. I mean, just... That sort of stuff stays with you as a defense. It stays with you as the next opponent. I mean, and you're going to be down your best defensive tackle in New Orleans. I mean, right. watching that tape, I mean, you better be on your P's and Q's or they're going to get
0: you. And it's amazing how much better pass protection looks when you're running the ball effectively. And I specifically focus on right tackle the last couple of weeks because Rob Havenstein got a true left defensive end into Marcus Lawrence. He gets another one this week in Cam Jordan, an uh, all-pro caliber player when you can run at or away from someone effectively on first and second down, Boy, Goff sits a lot taller in the pocket when he does get into those known passing situations.
1: Yeah, when you see guys uh, along the defensive line, if they have three or four guys down, when you see those helmets above their butts, which means they're thinking run first, pass second, That you're going to have time to throw the football if you're Jared Goff. And the only way to accomplish that, the opposite of that was Chicago and Philadelphia. Right, They could care less about the run. It's not coming. We're, we're not threatened by your run game anymore, so we're just going to get after Goff. Versus Dallas, different deal. You better do the same thing in New Orleans with with Jordan because he can absolutely hammer you, and it's going to be more painful than anything Lawrence can bring to you.
0: You know, I reached out to some uh, research folks trying to validate the assertion that C.J. Anderson is the best late season signing in NFL history. I can't say that. I can't come up conclusively, with conclusively. Another- <laughs> I couldn't think of you know who else. I mean, it would have to be someone either coming off of IR or off the street, and it's just so difficult to do what C.J. has done, 439 yards from scrimmage are the most by a Rams player in a three-game span this late in a season since Marshall Falk in 2001. Uh, so to consider what Marshall Falk was and meant to that era of the Rams organization and to realize that C.J. came out of nowhere to do it, it's really impressive. But so are yeah. Kamara and Ingram on the other side of the equation. And correct me if I'm wrong, but just listening to you gush about Kamara over recent years, I'm not sure there's an opposing back that you admire appreciate, respect more than Alvin Kamara.
1: Well, he scares the bejesus out of me. That's why. I guess that is respect, because he can hurt you in so many ways. You mentioned a guy like Marshall. It's almost the same. I think Marshall was a little tougher and bigger. He can run between the tackles a little bit better. But it's the same sort of situation. No matter what we give them defensively, they have an option with him. He can run routes. You can screen him. He could carry it traditionally through through the tackles if need be, but I think you've seen him enough to know what he can do and which guys he's going to threaten the most. So this is where you have to lean on Wade Phillips if you ask me. When 41 is in the game, uh, you can't expect me to let him dictate because if I wait until he has the ball in his hands, it's already too late. So I would say when 41's on the field, expect some sort of automatic pressure package coming from the L.A. side just to get the ball out quick so you have a chance to bring him down before he gets started.
0: You know, the difference between Kamara and Ingram versus C.J. and Todd is the Saints running backs play together, and yeah. Kamara is such a big part of their passing game and is such a fantastic route runner that they almost treat him like a receiver. And we're going to talk about the receiver who's striking fear in the hearts of all Rams fans, and that's Mike Thomas in a little bit. But with the Saints' offensive line not playing quite as well, they're a bit banged up, and we'll talk with Mike Triplett of ESPN's NFL Nation about their uh, states going into this NFC Championship game. My thought is that Brees might not have the time to pick out Thomas the way that he did in Week 9, which almost essentially dictates that he's going to be checking down or finding Kamara in space and hoping he breaks tackles. That might be the way that they go, if they don't feel like they can get Drew Brees the time required to pick apart the Rams secondary the way that they did in Week Nine, so yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kamara is more of the offensive challenge than Thomas this side around. E- even though I know they're both going to factor heavily yeah. into this game,
1: it's going to be if or either or. Uh, if you're collapsing on forty-one, then Mike Thomas is going to be the guy that's going to be the beneficiary. If you're bracket coverage on Thomas, then that means you're single with Camara on the other side. If you're Sean Payton, I mean, that's going to be your game plan. That extra guy is going to have to go somewhere because you've got two guys that are almost uncoverable or one guy you can't bring down. So depending on where that guy goes, Breeze is going to go the opposite way with the football. So that's why I say Wade Phillips is going to have to have you know, his thinking cap on and send something at Breeze to get him just to get rid of the football so you'll have a chance to bring those guys down.
0: Let's talk Thomas here, because he torched the Rams for a franchise record 2-11, including the game-clinching touchdown and a Joe Horn tribute along the way in the regular season. Does Marcus Peters get a second chance there? Do you try and travel with to lead? Do you play more zone? What's your thought process in terms of dealing with you know an all-pro receiver in Michael Thomas.
1: Well, I like end. I love guys that can travel, especially when they have a great receiver. If you have a lockdown corner, I mean that's just hot, like an all-pro type guy. Of course, shadow that guy, but for the most part, defensively speaking, if you can keep a left and right situation at your corners, you're going to be more balanced on defense. So it just depends. Uh if if one guy is giving up too much and you have to travel with the other, then you're going to have to adjust. But for the most part, play it like you did Dallas whichever side he goes to that's the guy that's got it.
0: You know, I went back and I looked at all 12 of his catches and it's a misperception to say that Thomas ate his lunch. I mean, yes, on a few instances he got the better of Marcus Peters, but on almost half of those catches, the Rams were in zone, there was no pass rush what to like to speak of. Uh-huh. And Lined up over Thomas wasn't even 22. Right. It was Lamarcus Joyner in some instances. They got him on Mark Barron in a couple of situations. So yes, Peters did not play a great game. He admitted as much. He was critical of his own play, more critical than anyone else. But I, I think it's erroneous to say that Thomas torched Peters single-handedly in that match.
1: No, just that one, the biggest play of the game, I guess. You know,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah the... And that one
1: was Peters. Uh, absolutely. But I mean, look, whoever, whatever side he goes to you've got problems and you're going to have to play your best on that snap or he's going to beat you. That's how good he's played this year.
0: Speaking of Peters, what's the latest between him and between Sean Payton, the head coach of the Saints? We'll ask Mike Triplett next. In four down territory on Rams All Access, this is ESPN LA 710. Welcome back to Rams All Access and this is four down territory, our weekly trip inside opponents territory. Great to have Mike Triplett back on the program. He covers the Saints for ESPN's NFL Nation. All right, Mike, I know Rams fans are optimistic. I can see a path to victory for Los Angeles, but I'm curious, from the other perspective, Drew Brees turned 40 years old this week. He's hosting an NFC championship game. Mike, I find it hard to believe that a first ballot Hall of Famer is going to let this opportunity pass to get to the Super Bowl. How do you see that?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I think you could say that about the entire season, Um the Saints have had a lot of experience trying to get back to this game and they know being the number 1 seed is the best way to do it. Have these games played in the Superdome and uh you know they've had some crushing divisional losses on the road in the last few years including last year. So it was a mindset all year long. Let's be the number 1 seed, let's make people come to our place, let's get back to the Super Bowl. So they've they've done their part all the way up until now but that doesn't make this game any easier, this matchup any easier.
0: Yeah, just need another win over the Rams at the Superdome to cash that opportunity in. Mike Triplett is with us. He covers the Saints for ESPN's NFL Nation. The offensive line, though, Mike, is a bit banged up. Left tackle, left guard, particularly. Any concern the Rams might get to Breeze a little bit more than they were able to in week nine when they did not sack him?
2: Well, how can they not get to him a little bit more than they did in that game? I mean, that was way too easy for him, or, you know, obviously, a great performance by the Saints offensive line, which is a really good offensive line, and they were at their peak at that point. I mean, they potentially have five pro bowlers at every position uh, on, on their offensive line, um, but obviously they know that they're going to get hit a couple times with uh, Aaron Donald uh, in the middle of that line, You know, not to mention the rest of the talent they've assembled there. So, uh, this, you know, the Saints injuries on the offensive line were part of the reason why their offense was really slumping in December. The rest really helped them get everyone back on the field, but they're probably a little bit more like 85% than 100% coming into this one.
0: Let's switch sides of the football with Mike Triplett, who covers the Saints for ESPN's NFL Nation. Sheldon Rankin's injury, how big a yeah. loss is that on the interior of their defensive front?
2: Really big. I, I don't know if enough people around the country appreciate how good he is. Um, he could have been a pro bowler himself. He will be one eventually, I think. Uh, uh, he had eight sacks, which is obviously a lot for for most defensive tackles outside of los angeles and uh he's also a big reason why they had the number two run defense in the nfl this year um he's a first round pick from a couple years ago and he you know really had his breakout season this year and was a big part of why I think the Saints front seven was 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 a big secret to their success this year so they've got decent depth there but uh, he'll be missed for sure especially going up against a team that just posted 273 rushing yards last week
0: right so let's go there next Mike if the Rams do intend to run it as forcefully as they have their last three games what's your level of confidence in the Saints ability to hold up
2: well they've done it over and over and over again they haven't had a um, it was the last week of the season when they rested their starters that the Bears barely overtook them as the number one run defense in the league. Before that, they were in that number one run defense all year, um, never allowed a 100-yard rusher, You know, faced Gurley in that first game and held up pretty well against him, although uh, the Rams didn't feed him much in that game. So it's really been a strength of theirs. It's really going to be a point of emphasis for them, no doubt about it, that they're going to want to make Jared Goff try to come into the Superdome and have to win the game without being able to lean on on Todd Gurley too much. But easier said than done.
0: All right, final question for Mike Triplett here on 4 Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. Anything from Sean Payton about Marcus Peters' comments to keep talking and sharing a bowl of gumbo when they get together <laughs> again?
2: He kind of downplayed it back when Peters first made those comments. Uh, I'm sure he'll be asked about it one or two times as this week goes on uh, hasn't come up yet. We only had him on a conference call first thing Monday morning so far, and it hadn't come up yet. But, uh, um, last week he got asked questions about whether the Eagles were going to have extra motivation because the saints ran up the score on them, or, you know, some players believe that. And he said, look, this stage of the playoffs, if you need extra motivation like that, uh, you know, what are you going to do? play harder? So, uh, uh, he loves that kind of stuff. He loves getting guys fired up. He loves trash-talking on the sideline. But I'm sure his response will be similar to that.
0: Just add it to the laundry list of things to watch <laughs> on Sunday yeah. at the Superdome. Mike, thank you for your time during a busy week. We look forward to seeing you for the third time this season in the Big Easy. Yeah, welcome back again. As we continue with Rams All-Access, not that you need a reminder of the back-and-forth between Peyton and Marcus Peters, but here is what the Rams corner said following the loss in Week 9 in New Orleans.
2: And tell Sean to... Payton keep talking that. Shit. We are gonna see him soon. You feel me? Fair enough. Yeah, because I like what he was saying on the sidelines too. So hey. tell him keep talking that, shit and I hope you see we soon. You feel me? And then we are gonna have a good little, nice little bowl of gumbo together.
0: I don't know that anyone could be more motivated for an NFC Championship game. Is there such a thing as bulletin board material? Oh. in this context?
1: Uh, you, you think? Yeah. Let's go have a bowl of gumbo. I, I wish there was a way you can keep Marcus Peters closer to your own sideline. And away from theirs.
0: So when you talk about playing aside, maybe you just put Peters on your side of the Flop. field. Keep him away from yes. Sean
1: Payton. You stay close to your head coach. Stay away from theirs. Because look, it's a game plan now. You know he's volatile. You know he's a guy that will pop off. So even the head coach is going to try to unnerve you, get you out of your game plan.
0: You don't think that's you
1: think that's going to change this Sunday? No, it's going to be even
0: worse. We will certainly have our eye on it where he lines up against which Saints receiver and whether or not there's any jarring between Marcus Peters and Sean Payton. I kind of got a grab bag of things that I want to get to before we finish, and we're already getting short on time. One of them certainly in Dominican Sue, though. He was the highest-graded Rams defender against Dallas. I want you to address his impact in stuffing Ezekiel Elliott in the run. And then also the fact that he chose the Rams over the Saints in free agency. It was almost as if he thought... L.A. is my opportunity to, to go deep in the playoffs. Now he faces really his other leading option in New Orleans.
1: Well, he's got to bring that same intensity. Uh Joe Looney is a guy I think that's had it easy. This is the Dallas Cowboys center. Every odd front or 3-4 he played, the nose tackle has been a first- and second-year guy. This is the first time he went against a grown man, and Sue absolutely ate his lunch. I don't care who's lining up in front of you or who's blocking you. You've got to be that guy. You have got to wreck it. Even on those 4th and 1s or those short yardage plays against Dallas, he was a beast. When he went forward, you went backwards against your will. That is what needs to happen,
0: play in and play out versus New Orleans. I'll just take it back a level. I think Mark Barron, given his contract and his compensation, and LaMarcus Joyner, given his franchise tag and his compensation, also rose to the occasion in the postseason. Whatever it was about that matchup with Dallas, played yeah. more impactfully. Joyner on that fourth down and one stuff. I think that has to happen again here in New Orleans this week for the Rams to be able to get enough out of their defense.
1: I hate to ask more of people, but get the ball out. That's the only thing that's missing between those two guys is get the football. Get it out or pick a big splash play. You're going to need something to steal a possession and steal momentum.
0: Speaking of momentum and stealing possessions, we'd be remiss if we did not touch briefly on special teams for a few reasons. One, the Saints uh, ran a successful fake uh, from their own 30-yard line that sparked their comeback on punt last week. The Rams failed fake in Week 9, of course, because of the bad spot and a Greg Zerline missed field goal. That may have doomed them. And then two of the best punters in the league in terms of gaining field position in a matchup where field position and time of possession could factor heavily into it. Look, it's all about offense and defense and quarterbacks and coaches. I get that. We're going to finish with that next segment, but... Special teams might determine who goes to the Super Bowl. It's as simple as that.
1: Absolutely. I mean look, I hope you play it straight. I hope you punt straight, kick off straight. There are no fakes needed in this football game. I I think really that's what really wins in this in this level at this in these situations is true special teams that can punt it, that can kick it and can cover it. Not the fake stuff.
0: We talked about Jared Goff being the fourth quarterback of Championship Weekend. Is Sean McVay the fourth head coach of Championship Weekend? His showdown with Sean Payton in the final segment of Rams All-Access after this on ESPN LA 710. Final segment of Rams All-Access before we get on the plane and go to New Orleans for the NFC Championship Game. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long. Hope we get another edition of Rams All-Access. It would be for the Super Bowl. For now, let's wrap up this NFC Championship Game edition. The four teams left in the playoffs had the four highest-scoring offenses in the league this season. It was a shootout between the Saints and the Rams in Week 9. But given the way the New Orleans and the Rams defense are playing at this stage of the season and given the stakes, do you expect the point totals to be that high this time around? Wow. Uh
1: You know, hard to say no because um, I think the offenses will win out. That's why they're in the Final Four. Uh, but at some point, situational football or – Key situations, uh, one defense is going to have to step up to make a play. Either get them out, get the ball back for your offense so they can drive and score, or vice versa. Something like that. So, in key situations, when you finally figure out a way, this is both defenses, to get these offenses into third and long situations, you have to win. You can't let them off the hook.
0: Philly couldn't, yeah. and the Rams did. Yes. And that was the difference.
1: You just can't let them off the hook. When you have an advantage, match point in tennis. You've got to take advantage, or break point in tennis. You have to take advantage if you want to win the match.
0: You know, I think Dennis Allen in this Saints defense is kind of the overlooked feature of this matchup because when we went there in Week 9, they were 27th in defensive efficiency, according to Football Outsiders. Since then, they've risen to 11th. And last week, even without Rankins for the majority of this period of time, they shut out the Eagles over the final 49 minutes and held them to 250 yards. No doubt. They are really, really good, and they have the leverage of that building and those decibels. Well, it's funny.
1: I mean, he really knows what he's doing. Uh, You can tell. It's loud in there, and it affects communication, which means it's not just snap count. It's where is protection going, and you don't really have the luxury of changing on the fly and then he brings pressure on top of it so if you don't get the protection called in the right direction he'll bring pressure off the side he's got instant pressure on the quarterback and the ball comes out or they get the sack so it's really imperative that this two-headed monster this rushing attack take care of that take care of crowd noise quiet that place down so your offense can
0: function normally one of the big picture thought on championship weekend Uh, The three coaches other than Sean McVay have at least been to a Super Bowl. Andy Reid has been, does not have a ring. Two of them have championships, Bill Belichick and Sean Payton, of course. And then there's Sean McVay, who I think the league and certainly we expect to be a force for many years to come in this setting. But just like I said, Jared Goff is kind of the fourth quarterback. He's kind of the Mm up-and-comer, the least credentialed. Sean McVay, for all the love he's received, he's the outlier in that group. He's the one who hasn't been there.
1: Well, it's, look, it's two guys on the rise. I mean, it's, it's Breeze and, and Peyton. They've done it. They, they have a ring. His quarterback's headed to Canton. We all know this. McVay and Goff are on the rise. So, you know, as, as much as we talk about Sean McVay is the, the wonder kind or everybody wants a piece of Sean McVay on their offense. Look, Sean Payton is still there in New Orleans, and you have to beat him there before you can move past him. And I'm sure that's where McVay wants to be. He wants to be that guy. I'm sure Goff wants to be that guy, but standing in your way is Drew Brees. It ain't going to be easy, but it's doable. You can beat them
0: there. I have two things left on my checklist. One is a word of caution. Anytime Taysom Hill is on the field, it's red alert. Whether it's that quarterback, running back, tight end in the slot on special teams, When he is on the field, special things happen for the Saints. We saw it again in the win over Philadelphia. I'm sure he will be a focal point. But I'm nervous whenever Taysom Hill is on the field.
1: You know, and it's funny. At some point, they may throw the ball back to Breeze. (laughs) They haven't done it, but, I mean, it's not to say that they won't in key situations. But I agree with you. When he's on the field, expect something tricky, and it's going to be a mess.
0: And then last thing, the Patriots are playing in their ninth straight AFC championship game. Ridiculous. It's staggering. Why do I bring that up here? Because the Rams are going back for the first time in a long time, right? And this is special. And all of our thoughts and our emotions are caught up in this Sunday morning turned afternoon. But wouldn't it be awesome if this trip to New Orleans, win or lose, was the start of a run? Was the start of a period of time? I'm not saying nine straight. That's probably never going to be done again. And the division out west in the NFC looks a lot different than the one that the Patriots have dominated for the last century. But because of what's going on in the AFC with the Patriots, I just thought... What if this is the first of many for this era of the Los Angeles Rams?
1: Why, why shouldn't it be? I mean, your head coach is young. Your quarterback's even younger. They can grow together and get better. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's the same with Brady and Belichick. Remember how that run started and how they grew and matured together and created something special. So, step number one, beat New Orleans. We'll see what happens after that.
0: Saints and Rams, the rematch from Week 9. We will speak to you from the Superdome on Sunday morning. For DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long. This has been a NFC Championship Game edition of Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710.